Hi everyone and welcome to our fifth AfroWave virtual workshop. Today we will be speaking with Quincy um, on how to become a successful independent artist. My name is Karis and I'll be your moderator this week and every other week for the next three workshops. Um, just a little bit about me. So I'm an independent singer, songwriter, music producer. Um, went to study music business and since that, I've been on the creative side, but also taking on opportunities um, on the business side of the industry as well, um, which is how I ended up running operations here at AfroWave. Just a little bit about AfroWave, if you haven't been in on the workshops or you're not familiar. Um, so AfroWave was started by a Toronto-based artist named Lexicon. Um, he's in the dancehall genre and kind of realized from his experience as an artist that there weren't a lot of opportunities for him um, because of the genre that he was in to, you know, showcase his work. And so to bridge that void, he created this initiative um, where we provide independent artists, especially in what we call here culturally driven sound. So reggae, dancehall, soca, reggaeton, those um, kind of genres, we provide them with resources and opportunities to showcase their work. Um, and to network with other people within their genres. So today we have Quincy with us and <laughs> giving us tips and tricks, um, telling us a little bit about his journey and how he got to where he is um, versus where he started. Uh, Quincy, tell us a little bit about yourself for those who may not be familiar. Yes, hello everybody. My name is Quincy Morales. Um, I'm a neo-soul hip hop artist. Um, I manage, uh, direct, arrange uh, with a 14-piece band. So everything from strings, horns, rhythm section, choirs, musicians are my world. Um, on the mm -hmm. side, I work with Sony Music as a vocal and performance coach, um, working with artist development. Um, also teach. So I'm an educator. I work in four different centers in the city, and I run 10 programs uh, for comes to music music business, um, sound engineering. Um, that's my world. Yeah, so programming, um, vocal coaching, performance coaching. Yeah. That's, that's my life, the whole man. I love music and um, that's, that's it. Sounds good. So how did you get into music? What was um, your first encounter? I would say it really started with my parents. Um, my parents had me really young. So my mom was 16 when she had me. And so I grew up with a lot of like early 2000s hip hop. Um, I grew up with a lot of dance hall. I grew up with a bunch of just across of different genres and music playing in the house. My dad used to love to dance in the house. My mom used to love to sing in the house. And I guess it just kind of dawned on me um, just having music always around when it came to dancing, when it came to singing, when it came to rapping. It just kind of I think it's am I frozen? Yeah, you're frozen. I was about to say it's just it's frozen on my end here. Uh oh, someone I don't I I'm frozen. Oh no, you're back. Really? Oh man, okay. Could you hear me? Yeah, we can hear I'm you. I'm back. Well, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you. Okay. Did if, you catch anything I said? If there's any, I only caught the first part about you growing up with a lot of music um, and your mom and dad kind of exposing you to that in the house. But then I missed everything mm. after that. <laughs> mm. 
Oh, yeah. I basically you know, to be attentive, it, it if you're not able to hear, just let us know. Mm -hmm. Okay, someone said same yes, here. So I think you, you cut off at the same point for everybody. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, okay. We're going to fix it. We're gonna sure. Um, but yeah, so basically, I'll just repeat it again. Yeah. Um, for me, it was just kind of, it came natural because my parents loved music. My dad loved to dance in the house. My mom loved to sing in the house. I actually started off dancing first. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just, music was just something I, I was drawn to. It's something I always had. So that's kind of how it started for me. Um, and it just kind of came easy. It's, it's funny you say that because I actually started off dancing first too. <laughs> Know how it goes. a professional dancer <laughs> and then somehow yes, singing you know came how it goes. yeah <laughs> so what made you decide That's to go exactly to, to choose uh neo soul and hip-hop what drew you to to those genres specifically um i think when it came to neo soul and hip-hop well hip-hop was already playing in the house yeah but for me um when you go into neo soul now a lot of it was based around like poetry and conscious music. So growing up, I used to listen to people like Common. I used to love, I used to be attracted to people like Tupac, um, Lauryn Hill, um, uh, The Roots, Black Thought. Mm -hmm. um, for me, conscious rap was something that really opened up my perspective on the world. Yeah. And from like why I, why I got drawn to it was because of the fact that it was people who came from neighborhoods and situations that I came from that we're speaking about things that I don't usually hear in my neighborhood. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When we talk about respect for yourself, when we talk about respecting other people, respect for women, respect for different things like that, mm -hmm. like it just changed my whole mind and perspective about things. So when it came to me making music now, it was just about, well, I want to I wanna be that same thing. You know what I'm saying? Because I remember how it felt to listen to Neo Soul music. I remember mm -hmm. how, how it felt to listen to conscious music. And so I want to be that person for other people. You know what I'm saying? Whether it be music, whether it be speaking whether it be teaching a workshop whatever it be whether it be just an encounter I want to make sure that the conversations that you have with me you know are are, are meaningful right when did you decide that you wanted to do music professionally like you wanted this to be your livelihood <laughs> oh my god um I think probably when I when I turned 16 mm -hmm. um at that time I started performing uh, outside of my school um and I had one of these shows that really just it just made me say wow I want to do this forever mm -hmm. and I remember telling my mom and I was just like mom I want to be an artist and the last thing you want to do is tell an immigrant parent that you want to be an artist that's the last thing you want to do and my mom you know she's just like no first and foremost no <laughs> gotta be no. a lawyer or a go doctor to school. Go to, yeah go to school or a teacher go to that's it go to school and you can do that after Mm -hmm. And in that moment, like I was the type of person, I didn't really know this about myself, but in that moment, I realized that I was the type of person when, when I feel something super strong within my heart, mm -hmm. like telling me no is like the worst <laughs> thing ever to do. So in that moment, I was like, well, I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I really made the decision. I think it was around 16 years old where I said, I, I'm, I'm doing it. And there's nobody who's going to stop me. Not even if, if, if I won't even stop me, then there's no way that, that anybody around me can stop me. And so that's kind of where the pivotal change was for me. Yeah. And what was that, that first step for you from, from deciding, okay, I'm going to do this. My mom says not to do this, but I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> what was yeah. 
that first step what was the first step that you took professionally to kind of yeah well well down from so from that moment I mean things kind of just went downhill <laughs> so I actually I left home at mm -hmm. 16 17 I left home I was couch surfing a bunch and I was I, basically I was homeless right and so in that moment it was like it was me on my own and I had to figure it out yeah. and so that to me really lit my butt like lit a fire under my butt you know what I'm saying because it was just like okay cool yeah. now you, you said you wanted to do this now you're doing this on your own terms and you got to figure out life at the same time here yeah. you go figure it out yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying so that was like the big step for me um but I remember the the minute that I I actually I left um I started getting paid for gigs you know what I'm saying I started getting more and more work and each year now, ever since, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I get more and more gigs. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it really made me realize that, like, if you really love something, you got to take a bet on, on yourself. You know what I'm saying? If you really feel it in your heart, you have to take that risk on yourself. And will you make mistakes along the way? You will. You know what I'm saying? Will you fall? You will. I, I made so many mistakes that I wish I could have done differently. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I don't regret anything that I did because it just shaped me it grew me into a, a stronger human being makes sense what was or what were some of the things that you think you you could have done better starting out um kind of getting into this professional artist thing what what are some of the things if you can share them <laughs> with us mm. that you could have done better <laughs> yeah I think I think um well first and foremost I wouldn't change anything that I did mm -hmm. um but looking back what I could have did better I think one thing I could have did better was really focus on who I wanted to be as a human being first you know and I'm saying and it's hard and I and I, I give myself some slack because I was 16 17 years old how do you know who you are sure. right but I wish I spent a little bit more time really thinking about well how do I want my relationship to be with this person how do I want my relationship to be with this person how do I want to carry myself in a room you know what I'm saying how do I want people to think about me how do I want people to to risk me you know what I'm saying what kind of change do I want to make in the world and so if I could have I would have spent a little bit more time just really going over the foundational things of, of, of who you know Quincy Morales is as a human being yeah. um, because now you know what I'm saying that's something that I, I'm, I'm doing every, that I have to do okay cool well how is this how is my relationship with this person how is this relationship with um, you know my, my producer how is this relationship with um, my best friend how is my relationship with my mother how is my relationship with um whoever right and for me I think that's the most important thing as an artist is to really get those foundational things within your personal life yeah right you know what I'm saying figuring out all that stuff because that stuff determines what kind of music you make mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying that's how I really feel about it sounds good just a note to the uh, attendees if you have questions along the way there will be an official um, question and answer section, but feel free to send them in the chat if it's pressing, we'll um, get to them right away. Um, but just to know for everyone who may have a question, feel free to send that there. Um, yeah, so moving on, what were some of the goals that you set for yourself when you just started? Obviously, trying to survive, you know, moving <laughs> moving out at such a young age, um, but musically, <laughs> that you wanted to yeah. um, accomplish for yourself. <laughs> Um, well, one of my big goals was to play with a band, um, mm -hmm. always, ever since I was young, I always had this dream that like, I would just be in front of a big band, you know what I'm saying? And, um, that was, 
that was like one of those things for me where I was like, okay, cool. If you can play with a band, then you made it. <laughs> That's so silly. But um, that was a huge one. So figuring that out, especially when you come into it and you don't know anyone, when you come into it, when you don't have, like for me, I didn't, it's not like I knew everybody in the industry. It's not like I knew people or where to start or where to go or how to, what to do. I'm saying, I just love to write. I literally just wrote in my room by myself because it was therapeutic. And I'm thinking about, well, now I want to work with a band. I'm like, where do you get a band? <laughs> yeah. Like, so I think that was one of my goals when I was 16, 17. And um, that's one thing that I really set out for myself. Um, that one, being able to perform and, and be paid for what, uh, being paid to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was a huge one for me. Um, what else? Being able to pay my bills through performing and music that one was a huge one for me it wasn't I never had anything that was super like oh I want to be like the biggest artist in the world I want to be rich I want to be famous I just wanted to be able to live doing what I love every day and waking up happy you know what I'm saying and you know I look at my life now and I say wow like I can wake up every day and I can pay my bills only like solely through music you know what I'm saying I perform with a huge band um and I get to wake up every day happy and I think that to me is, is like, I look at that as success. Obviously, there's always more goals that I, I want to go after. And with each thing you, you literally check off, you always have more after that. But right now, when I look at it, like the 16, 17 year old Quincy is, is like smiling and like the happiest person in the world right now. If you heard like what type of live, life we live now. Mm-hmm. And I think too, like I, one of the messages that, kind of come up in the workshops is and you just touched on that point um is defining what success would look like to you because that is where a lot of people get stuck Mm -hmm. um you see Mm -hmm. you're kind of just like i just want to make it without actually (laughs) writing down or oh yeah 100 percent. what i want to make it so a lot of the panelists have kind of what does that mean exactly. (laughs) exactly kind of gone over that point of making sure that you set your own goals because what works for somebody else may not work for you but if you don't know where you want to go picking up the next thing that worked for someone um so i think that too Mm -hmm. is oh got a note about my internet Okay, if we happen to lose anyone, we'll just come back on, mm-hmm. pretend like it didn't happen and continue. <laughs> but yeah, so I think too, that's really important to kind of just define <laughs> what what success is um, for you. And then you mentioned about yeah. not knowing anyone, wanting to yeah. play with a friend. Um, how did you get this? First of all, who do you have as part of your team? So we know you have like a 14 piece band, um, but who else do you work with to kind yeah. of your, your creation yeah. brought to life? Yes. Before we get to this one, I really want to touch back on what you said about defining what success is to you. Because I really think that's super important. I think I think we have this misconception that like people who are successful, like suddenly they don't have problems anymore. (laughs) Like I feel like right now, like as as things have moved further, it's the same. Like things don't get easier. Mm -hmm. They just literally like you find new challenges for yourself. You know what I'm saying if you asked me to do things that were hard for me back then, it would be easy to me. But now I have certain new things that I have to deal with. And I feel like that's the same way when I have like when I talk to my mentors who are like execs or CEOs or people in the neighbors, yeah. whatever, like they still have problems, too. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's the weird. Yeah. It, it doesn't change. And I, I think everything from the outside, things always look like they're great and dandy. But I think um, you just have to cho- like at the end of the day, like everything is going to be hard, whether you choose to live in fear or whether you choose to mm-hmm. go after what you want whether you choose to find a job that's secure and not do music, whether you choose to do music, it's going to be hard. So like, like really making sure you define like what success means to you. It's so yeah. crucial, but to go back onto your point about the, the team. Um, so my team, I currently have a team of four. It's me, um, my producer, Adrian, who's basically my partner. Um, we handle all our events and everything together. Um, there's Ava, who's our booking director. So, she basically hires all the musicians, calls everybody um, to come play the shows with us. And then we have Dania, who's our PR. So she does all the writing for all our music and stuff. And then we have the whole band, which is the whole band. How'd you get the whole band together? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so I started performing since I was 16, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from how it started off, I was just going to open mics anywhere I could I would literally like if I ever seen a flyer for an event I would find the email of the event organizer and I would reach out and I would ask and I would literally hit them up on email and I would say hi my name is how my name is Quincy Miles whatever and I'm 17 years old uh, I'm a hip-hop spoken word artist and I was wondering if you had any extra slots available for a performer um, I'd be willing to do it for free um, but I'd be glad to perform if you have any space and so I'd literally yeah. reach out and email literally like 20 to like 50 people. And like, not a lot would get back. Maybe I'd get like four or five. Yeah. But those four or five, I was like, bet. Like I'm going to perform my ass off. Mm-hmm. And literally it's crazy because those four or five, like these, those ones, they kept booking me. To this day, they still book me. Nice. You know what I'm saying? And they referred me to other people. Now all our gigs are literally through referral. You know what I'm saying? We don't have any music out. So all the performances are all through referral. All the workshops that we get is all through referral. And so for me, I was just a hustle. That's how I started. Um, But anyway, so I started reaching out to people. And through each event that I used to perform at, I would just meet people. Any chance I could, I would say, hey, how you doing? Connect with people on Instagram. Connect with people on Twitter, whatever it is. Just make friends. And I used to just make friends everywhere I would go. And eventually I ended up at this, uh, one of these festivals called Unity Festival. Mm-hmm. And I had met um, this band. I, didn't, I don't even remember the, the name of the band, but they had seen me perform and they were like, yo, you're dope. Do you want to come to a rehearsal um, and come perform with us for our next show? And I was like, sure. They didn't have a rapper and they're like, we need a rapper. And I was like, okay, cool. So on my way on the subway to my rehearsal, Mm-hmm. I met this other guy who played piano. And because I was on my way to a rehearsal where there's instrumentalists and musicians, I was like, hey, what what music, what what instrument do you play? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, he was like, oh, I play piano, keys, whatever. And then I was like, he was like, what do you do? And I'm like, I rap and I'm about to go to a rehearsal with a band. And he was like, yo, you know what would be sick? I know this uh this big jam um with all hip-hop musicians um they live music they deal with rappers they teach rappers how to play with musicians and And so he hooked me up with that circle while I was going to rehearsal for another band and from that circle jam that's how bear musicians in the city and they introduced me to other musicians and suddenly I'm 18 years old 19 years old just in the middle of just musician central 
Yeah. So that's kind of how I came across all the musicians. Comes, comes right back. What is your yeah. advice for um, persons who who are trying to build a team in a similar way that you did? Maybe not a 14-piece band, but oh we're God. trying to network with people. <laughs> <laughs> it is a huge part of your brand, which we will get to. Um, but, yeah. you know, people who are trying to uh, get the basics down for a team, you know, like a producer, a probably someone who does like marketing or social mm. media um what would be mm. your advice especially for people who mm. aren't because I know even for myself um that networking is an effort <laughs> it's, it doesn't just come easy for me um so what oh, would yeah, be your advice for those persons who no, not at all. To, you know like network try to build this team especially in like the beginning stages mm-hmm I want to just really just touch on that because for me, networking was never, I was a really, really shy kid. Like I was a very, very introverted kid. And for me, I was, I, I'm not, I was never the type of person that could go, yeah. hi, how you doing? I'm Quincy Morales. It's nice to meet you. I'm a hip hop artist. Da, 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 da. I was not that type. I would never in my yeah. life ever be that type of person. Now I'm that type of person. But when I was younger, mm-hmm. never. So what I would do is I, my mentality would always be to come into a show and say, look, if you're good enough, people will come after people will come up to you after your show and want to connect with you. And so my whole focus then was always on making yeah. sure that my performance and my live show was remarkable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that people could come up to me and I wouldn't have to deal with this whole pressure of like, I, I don't know how to talk to you. I don't know how to do that. You know what I'm saying? Because now people understand what you do, what you're about. They want to get to know you. Um, so my whole thing or a piece of advice that I would give to somebody who's not really good at networking or making friends, da, 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 da. build confidence. And how do you build confidence is through being like repetitively doing what you love, your yeah. craft. You know what I'm saying? When you, for me, I perform so much that I built confidence as a performer. You know what I'm saying? For me, I wrote so many songs that I built confidence as a writer, right? When you know what you have to offer to other people, yeah. you walk differently. When you know what you have to offer to other people, you walk into a room and say, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Quincy Morales. I'm a writer. You're not, you're not second guessing yourself. Like I, I, I'm a writer. I, I. <laughs> you just <laughs> don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. but, it, but again, confidence t- comes with experience. Yeah. Confidence comes with repeatedly doing something successfully. You know what I'm saying? And being okay with, with the fact that you do it. Mm-hmm. So when you know what you have to offer to other people, it's easy to reach out to somebody else and say, look, this is what I can do. This is how I think me and you could work well together. Yeah. Right. And also another thing I would say too, in building a team, if you want to build a team, also understand what other people do. The yeah. greatest piece of advice that I ever received from a mentor was to learn a little bit about everybody you work with, a little bit about what they do and how they do it. Right. So I would be, if I'm talking to somebody who works in PR, I want to understand you know what I'm saying? What makes a great brand? I want to understand if I'm working, if I'm talking to somebody who plays keys, I want to understand a little bit about music. I want to understand mm-hmm. what they listen to at least. I want to understand lingo. You know what I'm saying? I want to understand um, just the different things. If I'm if I'm working with a band, I want to understand the cues, right? That 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 other people are throwing up. You know what I'm saying? How do I call for a chorus? How do I call for a hook? How do I call for a verse? Right? Mm-hmm. So I think if you want to find people to work on your team, first figure out who do you want to find to work on your team? You know what I'm saying? Is it a producer? Okay, cool. Well, if it's a producer, what do you know about producing so far? You know what I'm saying? Do you know what a dot is? 
do you know what logic is? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you know, like, what, like, what do you know so far? You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, a lot of people head into rooms and then it becomes this thing of like, okay, cool. You're the producer. I'm the artist. You can do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. No, it's like, that's not collaboration. You can't, if you can't have a conversation, that's boring. At the end of the day, we all get into music. And we all collaborate with other people because we want to feel like, wow, that's a good connection I made with this person right there. I want to work yeah. with this person again. I want to get into the studio with this person again because that person's good energy. Yeah. I'm going to tell my friend over here who's working with artists that this guy's sick. You know what I'm saying? He brings good energy into the studio. He cool. He always respectful to me. You know what I'm saying? That's how, like, it's all about connection. It's all about friendships that you make with people. It's all about the energy that you bring. So understanding, you know what I'm saying, what other people do, understanding what other people are interested in. Yeah. I think all this really is just a. And I think too, like that has played, that collaboration aspect has become a bigger thing, especially with what's been going on <laughs> this year, uh, where everybody's mm-hmm. kind of like forced to stay home as much as they can. Oh, yeah. Because um, even oh, for yeah. myself, like I produce most of my stuff and I'll kind of be at home. I produce my thing, demo it right there, send it off to the studio, and it's all me the mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year, I'm just like, huh, like, I play keyboard, but maybe I could get like a guitarist on this. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, starting off there, you hear your work get to this whole other level that you couldn't bring. Yes. Up. And I think it's so, it's so easy to get trapped in because when you sing, you write, you produce. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. just do it all by myself. I don't want anybody else mm-hmm. to see what I'm doing. Um, but then when you kind of, it forces you to let go when you're in a situation <laughs> where you're just at yeah. home, just creating on your own. Um, and then you work with, because I remember I worked with um, this live, like, guitarist slash bassist um, here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And, like, getting mm-hmm. that trap back, it's like, I don't know if I'm ever going to do a trap by mm-hmm. myself ever again. It's that kind of feeling where you hear, like, yep. get it changes you. Um, so I think, too, like, it's so important. Yep. It changes you. To, to get out of that box of, of doing everything by yourself. But then there's also the important mm-hmm. thing that you have to know, you have to have enough knowledge to kind of one steer, especially if it's a vision that you started or initiated to kind of steer things in a way where you're not getting exploited or you don't know how to profit, um, properly, like professionally mm-hmm. deal with someone as well. Um, because there's, like even on being on the other end, I've had people reach mm. out to me during this pandemic and just be like, hey, would you want to work on this? Like, oh, I like your voice. Do you want to sing on that? But then they like message me at 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it just turns you off yeah. the whole situation because yeah. there's that le- even something as small as that, that level of like professionalism that kind of keeps everything, you know, in balance. So I think too, like that's, re- it, it forces you to explore, especially being in this situation now with the pandemic to explore how to take your art to a whole other professional level but um just on you know that collaboration is is like super important and i think that's come that note has come up a lot in the workshops um there are three things that keep getting repeated and and it's treating yourself (laughs) as a business um networking and and knowing yourself those are the three things that have come up over and over like every single workshop yeah um and I think they all just kind yeah. of yeah. Knowing yourself is right huge, you know. No, because you do yeah. have, like you knowing saying, yourself you is, is a huge one. I would say. 
yeah but then you also you mm -hmm. know you want to know a little bit about about other people as well because you it's, yeah. it's a give and take situation you get more value when you give more, 100%. You know? um, 100%. So, i agree i agree just on that note you brought up your you know like your brand uh a couple times how did you determine that that this brand that you have as Quincy, that this is this is what you wanted and this is the direction that, that you wanted to go in. In terms of having like your your 14 piece mm -hmm. band, the way you write your music, uh, the team that you have, like <laughs> everything is a part of the story that you that you give to people and that you give to the public. How did you solidify that and kind of come to this is who I am, this is what I want people to see me as? Mm -hmm. I think um when it comes to how, how I came to just who I am and, you know, having the band and making the type of music that I am and becoming who I am as a person, I think it really came from being everything that I'm not. Right. Mm -hmm. So around 16, 17, like I was around so many producers and musicians that would tell me like, cool, like the way you're writing, it's, it's cool. You know what I'm saying? It's raw. It's, it's from the heart, but nobody's going to listen to this. It's, it's a little too deep. It's a little bit too raw. Right. So yeah. that kind of just messed me all the way up. And in, it wasn't like they told me it was it was it was um, I guess. No, it was they said it was good. But the thing is, they, they didn't say it and not give me anything after what they gave me was they say, OK, cool. It's a little too raw. It's a little too unstructured. What we want you to do is is learn structure, learn song structure, yeah. learn how to write a chorus, learn how to write a learn what a bridge is, learn how to write a pre-chorus learn you know what i'm saying learn about chords you know what i'm saying learn about music theory learn about rhythmic notation learn about um how to direct the band you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying let's let's learn more things and so um i grew up i i had this whole phase in my life where literally for like two three years i was just being somebody who was just experimenting who didn't really know who i wanted to be I was just experimenting, trying everything. Let's try trap, making trap music. Let's try making super pop records. Let's try writing things that are more contemporary or like that sound very soulful. Let's try making like conscious, like boom bap, you know what I'm saying? And I've tried multiple things, you know what I'm saying? And what I realized now where I'm in my life right now is that because I've tried all those things, that's great. But now I just want to be how exactly how I was before I tried all these things, when people would say it's too deep, this is too deep. I want. I've made that conscious decision now. You know what I'm saying? So how I came to how I came to understanding my brand was understanding who I didn't want to be first, right? Because mm. I've tried being so many other people. I tried doing so many other things that didn't feel right with my soul. So now when I think about my brand, whatever brand means for me, when I think of brand, I literally just think, who are you as a person? First and foremost, that, that's why it goes back to knowing yourself. You know what I'm saying? What do I know about myself? I know that as a human being, like I love working with youth. I know I love working in the community. I grew up in the community. My whole life is in the community. You know what I'm saying? Community programming, just every, every week I would be in community workshops, literally just learning as much as I could. I love to learn. I love music. I love really just having conversations with other people about things that matter to me. You know what I'm saying? I love of conversations that you leave feeling like wow I, I gained something from this conversation you know yeah. what I'm saying so how do I now no understanding that about myself I really had to sit down and say okay cool what parts now do you, do you feel like other people what do you want others to take when they think of you yeah right 
And so when it came to my brand, I said, I want people to think, when people think of me, I want people to think of somebody, you know what I'm saying, who is inspiring, somebody who is about the community, somebody who does work hard, somebody who does, isn't afraid to think outside of the box, who isn't afraid to, you know, go into the trenches to, to do whatever it takes to, you know, to be greater, to improve, to get where he needs to go. And I think, I think that's, an, that's something that came up to in the branding workshop, an important point about um, figuring out, it comes right back to knowing yourself and figuring out who you don't want to mm -hmm. be versus who you do want to be. Because um, mm -hmm. one of the things, it's one of the problems that as an artist that I had myself, and I mentioned it to those who were, who were on, yes, I know I'm repeating myself, but let me. Um, <laughs> I write, for me, the focus was always on, on writing. Singing kind of came because I didn't have anyone to sing what I wrote the way that I wanted it to be sung. So for me, mm -hmm. a lot of my stuff, like mm -hmm. you, I grew up on like Lauren Hill, Shade, when my dad plays that mm -hmm. over and over, Tracy Chapman. So mm -hmm. I grew up on like old soul music. Mm -hmm. And so I, and that influenced me a lot. And that's mm -hmm. what I ended up um, writing. And for a long time, there was like, oh, well, you're like in your early 20s, like nobody's gonna listen to this stuff from you. First of all, they're not gonna be <laughs> you wrote it. You got, and the phrase that yeah. came up a hundred times is you have to be more commercial. So for me, it was yeah. a long time of going through like writing pop and writing this and writing that and trying to write what people in my age group were apparently listening to. Um, before coming mm -hmm. back, um, I just had a conversation with my mom a month ago and she was just like, which of your songs makes you most excited like when you listen to it mm -hmm. like you keep playing it over and over again because that is the excitement that you want when you have to perform the song like you don't want to be mm -hmm. performing a song that you don't even like you don't feel it fully yourself and we kind of mm -hmm. broke it down into okay when you write this song who in your contacts would you send the song to first because that person is a person mm -hmm. you know you're going to get a most likely a positive review from and that's most likely the person that is your audience. And so she kind of just mm -hmm. broke like everything down with me and we came to, okay, this is the type of music that I like to do. But in the back of your mm -hmm. mind, there's always like this, but are enough people gonna wanna buy it? So for you as an artist as well, how do you, like, is there any pressure that you get from um, the music that you do and maybe the pressure of, okay, this may not be the most commercial thing. How do you like stick with your brand, stay solid in what you've decided that you want to do your poetic lyrics and the topics that you, your conscious music um, versus a lot of the, the bops and the hits that we've been, you know, hearing these days. Like, how do you stay solid in what you've decided to do? Mm, I think again, and it's gonna, I'm probably gonna say this a million times today, but it really comes down to knowing yourself and also yeah. like mind you a lot of the work that I do is in person so like through yeah. live shows right so when I see people to what we do it's hard for me to say like oh or be like this what if I just stuck in this, stayed in that lane or went to this lane or that lane or try yeah. to make more mainstream music or trap music how can I for me for me I'm like how can I say that when we can play a show and people can like leave in like tears yeah how what why would I I don't get too sidetracked over stuff like that like for me every there's a place for every single person right when just outside of music if we just put music away for one second 
yeah. like there is a place for every single person to do what they love okay there are people who li- have made fortunes in businesses just mm-hmm. off rubber bands <laughs> rubber bands you know what i'm saying there are people who love to love, uh, mow grass i have a friend who she she literally has created such a name for herself braiding hair you know what i'm saying she loves hair she loves dealing with hair she loves everything about it the products she loves the way she makes people feel my un- my uncle he used to work uh, at a taxi meter shop Mm-hmm. okay like he built his own taxi meter shop from, with his own two hands you know what i'm saying and he helps people every single day he, he makes an impact on people's lives there is a a place for every single person to do what they love and so when i think of music music as as a human being i don't think we're like yes you're, you're an artist but first and foremost you're a human being right mm-hmm. and and as a human being there is a place for what you love there's a place for your music wherever you are mm-hmm. i don't care like what type of music you make there are people who make rave music and have their own big following you know what i'm saying like if you see somebody like uh rico nasty i don't know if you've heard, heard of rico nasty like rico nasty is like with metal you know what i'm saying there's like give, give on is that his name it's so different from what we're used to hearing but for me it's just like I don't think too much about what other people think or how I should be should be would be could be making music Mm -hmm. I just make music that feels right with my soul right soul music is that's all it's about it's not about how soul music sounds there's no specific sound of soul music soul music is a feeling that's how I look at it you know what I'm saying soul music comes from the soul that's all if music you can make um I've heard certain like uh, trap songs that I, I would consider soul music because it came from his soul, her soul. There are certain, um, like that's why so many blues songs that I hear come from the soul, gospel songs I consider soul music. For me, soul music is is deeper than just about how it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So I, I lead even beyond music. I don't think about music too much. I think about the feeling. I agree with that. We'll, we'll snap for that one. Oh my god! <laughs> it's a good explanation <laughs> because we've had I've posted that question to because as emerging artists and even being an emerging artist myself, there's a lot of pressure of like, oh my god, hundred percent. When will someone listen to what I'm doing? Like, am I doing something <laughs> well? You know. Um, so I post that question a lot to panelists because a lot of people, like even after the workshops, I get people that message me this question like how do I take Mm -hmm. it from where I am like how do I even determine my brand like I tried this this year I tried this Mm -hmm. last year and so I think it's important to hear the different perspectives and I think that that was a really good answer in terms of staying solid in what you decided to do and and just doing it regardless um so thank you so Mm -hmm. much for that that's it uh so in terms of (laughs) the live performances now because you do you talked about the experience and that a lot of what you do um is live how how has that shifted for you with this year and the pandemic and all the crazy stuff that's been happening how have you handled that as an artist and what are some of the things that you're doing um as a result of that shift Mm. well one of the goals that we had is funny even before covid was Mm. we didn't want to play that many so it's so funny because for the last two and a half years like every single month we've had at least like one show like one big show with the whole band you know what i'm saying so it's just been so hectic that we couldn't even like 
really think about well what do we want to do because everything's just been gigging 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 yeah. but um yeah how it's been affecting us it's, it's interesting because right before the pandemic happened I literally think uh, a day before we just finished recording our whole entire album uh in the studio with all our musicians and everything so it's just like I just look at it like wow it's crazy how that happened because yeah. As soon as the pandemic came in March, thank you for we had our files and now how do you want to is it the right music this year? You know, like making this really strong and focus on all the funding that we can get or whatever for the marketing or how we want to roll it out. We're really just thinking about that right now. So, um. To me, I think, uh, I obviously, it's a rough time right now, but, like, I think it worked in our blessing, you know what I'm saying, God willing, you know what I'm saying, I knock on wood, but, yeah, um, that's that, but ever since we haven't been doing live shows, I've been having to really just grind, you know what I'm saying, like, and, and find other ways, and this goes into, like, adding value to yourself, like, finding other ways to make a bag for myself, you know what I'm saying, live shows was, like, I think all, as artists, anyone who's like signed to a label or like really like independent and whatever touring is like your biggest bag touring merch. Um, not many people are making so much money from streaming. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Especially when you have all these labels, like having hands in your pockets, it's not like you have a, a bunch of money from streaming. So touring and live shows is like one of our huge bags. And, and a lot of artists just got wiped out because they don't have touring and they don't have live shows anymore. So mm -hmm. for me, I'm just like, okay, cool. What else can I do? So I know that I can vocal coach. I know that I can performance coach. So I started, so I, I started working with Sony again. They hired me for another contract and we literally just, I was just performance and vocal coaching, developing their artists. Um, another one on that. So I work programming now again, teaching music workshops, right? Artist development. I'm recording people. This, uh, I literally, just, I came from teaching a program just before this, I have one right after. And this morning I was doing a coaching session with an artist, you know what I'm saying? Making sure, you know, she understands who she is, what her brand is and whatnot. So I'm just using whatever skills that I have yeah. to just make something, make something work. Because again, I don't have that same, as artists, we don't have that same bag that we used to. If you're really like in it and you're yeah. performing a bunch, we don't have that anymore. You know what I'm saying? And we probably won't have that for a while. So what else can you do? That's why I've been picking up like all the books that I can to study. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Study audio, audio, study gear, study DJing, anything that I can. I'm like, let me just learn some new skills right now. Is there a book that you can recommend from the, the ones that you've read? Um, when it comes to music or because I read a oh, lot. Just in general, that anything that's kind of uh, in terms of building yourself and, and oh, I hate okay. to call them uh, self-help books. I don't like to call them that, but motivational, inspirational books, anything that kind of helps you. Um, if I would, I would recommend this book to everybody. This book actually changed my life. Mm -hmm. Um. I would recommend it's called The Alchemist by, I don't remember his name, but it's called The Alchemist. And basically what it's about is, I think he, this, this guy, he's a shepherd. So he, he tends to a sheep and he just dreams of like, um, he just, I don't, I think he just goes on. It's about his life and his journey mm -hmm. um, and just who he meets along the way and how everybody he's ever met played a part in, in, in teaching him a new lesson. And whatnot. Paulo Coelho, yes. Yeah. The Alchemist is um, a great book. I think even if you're a musician, not a musician, artist or not an artist, I think uh, The Alchemist is a great, a great, a fantastic book. Nice. Thank you. One that I'm on, well, just finished up is um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. 
that one that one's been yeah yep. that's, that's a great book that's a great book um just kind of showing you how how important manifesting is and and how yes. powerful your thoughts are i think that that is that's yeah. a really big thing i saw um what's her name lou uh independent artist toronto uh she was vanessa lou mm-hmm. before um just mm-hmm. day, she she posted or a little while ago she posted just some of the goals that she wrote down for herself and i thought it was so powerful and it was so it was just so nice to see her post that to um just all the goals that she wrote down for herself and how mm-hmm. like literally the next year like everything happened like she wrote all this yeah. stuff in her notes um that she wanted to accomplish when she hadn't even like had any opportunity to accomplish them yet and then just seeing yeah. it kind of come to life so i think that that that's super important too just in and knowing how powerful your thoughts are and, and manifest mm-hmm. i mean you still have mm-hmm. to do the work mm-hmm. she also works very hard yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but you gotta like manifest that actually met her through honey gem as well um so mm-hmm. good networking opportunity there for female artists who may be on um mm-hmm. with a promotion for honey gem uh, we have a question here i think you kind of answered it um from sharice uh what would you say is the most important i think you're frozen oh no you're back uh what would you say is the most important part of being an, imp- an independent artist um is it performing live merchandise or social media oh i'm back oh what would you say is the most important part of being an independent artist is it um the most what is it most important yeah what would you say is the most important because i know being an independent um the most important part of being an independent artist um I, th- I really think, and, and I, I, I'm going to sound very cliche, but I, I, I'm going to say it a million times. The most important part of being an independent artist, I think, is knowing yourself. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, and I'm, I'm going to say this a million times because of the fact that I've just seen how important this is. Like, understanding yourself is crucial. You know what I'm saying? How do, and and yeah. when I say knowing yourself, like, how are you when you handle, pre- like, under pressure? You know what I'm saying? When you're yeah. throwing your first event for yourself, how are you when the whole team is relying on you and you don't you you don't know what you're doing or whatever and things are coming how are you you when you know you things are going well and something or do something that is really disrespectful and that crossed the boundary with you? How are you with confrontation? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Another thing, like how are you how are you with money? Right. Are you somebody or do you need to put your trust in somebody else who's better with right? See that or we or whatever with money. Right. Mm-hmm. So how are you with money? When it comes to I, I say the most important part is knowing yourself because of the fact that like when you know yourself, you will know how to handle certain situations or be yeah. better equipped to handle certain situations. You know what I'm saying on the days where on the day oh I think you're frozen here oops oh okay I'm back can yeah. you hear me yeah I heard on the days and then that was it <laughs> okay perfect on the days on yeah on the days where 
you know, where everything is going great for you. Okay, you're getting shows, you just posted your record and you're getting so many streams, you're on playlists, you're doing all these things. Everybody's literally like commenting on your photos. Wow, you're the best, part. you know, you're the, you're the biggest artist right now. Everybody's looking at you. That's great. You know, you can handle all of that. Great. But what happens now, a couple months later or a year later or two years later when, you know what I'm saying? Nobody's looking at you like that anymore. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Are you still going to make music? Are you still going to keep going? Because that all matters. Are you going to push through the dark times or are you just going to say, oh man, nobody cares about me. I'm not good. You know what I'm saying? So let me just stop. That's how important knowing yourself is. If you really understand yourself, I know, let's say like knowing yourself is understanding that in those low moments, you really need to be surrounded by people who can make sure that you're motivated, that you're driven, that you keep on going, that you keep on writing, that you keep on pushing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or if in those moments, you know that that's where you thrive the most is really just preparing for those moments. You know what I'm saying? Once you have those great wins, just getting ready and being like, oh, okay, cool. I know this is a great win right now, but you know what I'm saying? The low, low moment's gonna happen. And when that happens, I'm just gonna get to studying again. I'm gonna get to working again. I'm gonna get to networking again or whatever you're gonna do. So I think the most important part you could ever do for yourself as an independent artist is know yourself. Yeah. Understand how you are when you're under pressure. Understand how you work in a, in a, a, a big environment. Understand how you work in an intimate setting understand how you lead, understand how you learn, understand how you teach, understand how to communicate, how other people receive communication. Yeah, sounds good. Trisha, we see your question. We'll uh, get to it shortly because we are coming up upon seven. Um, I just wanted you to kind of give us an idea of your creative process. Like how, how does a song come to life for you? What, what does that look like? Um, for me, it really comes down to the music right for me like music has always been about collaboration if you go all the way down there you know what i'm saying you'd have tribes just literally banging on or whatever just making music together right so whenever i work with a producer or whenever i hear a beat or whenever i hear a composition or whatever i'm always thinking about well Think you're frozen again. Uh-oh. Is this person trying anything to say? So, my creative process always starts with what is this? What is the music? Oh, can you hear me? Uh, you just came back. Yeah. You can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. It was gone for a little while. And then Where it did I go? Uh, you started back at my process. Oh, creative. So my creative process is um, it really comes down to understanding that music is about collaboration. Right. Mm-hmm. And basically what I was saying was that if you go back far, far, far in time when, at the beginning of music, you know what I'm saying? You would have people just in tribes, literally just making music together or singing together or, or banging the drums together, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. So when I work with a producer or when I listen to a composition or whatever, or a beat that somebody sent me, I'm always thinking about what is this person trying to say right now? Right. Yeah. For me, music is a language, right? And if you don't have anything to say, what good is a language, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think of, of music as a language, this person, this producer, this uh, uh, composer, this musical director is saying something. Mm-hmm. That's the type of conversation that they want to bring up a sad conversation with me. Okay, cool. If they're going to share a sad part, of, a, a sad moment in their life and be vulnerable with me, I'm going to be vulnerable with them as a writer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Maybe um, this producer wants to go just ham, you know what I'm saying? Just really wants to just make a bop. Okay, cool. Now I'm thinking about, yeah, let me think of sometimes that that in my life, I wanted to just 
have fun. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So for me, the creative process always goes down to what is the music saying? Mm-hmm. And what do I want to contribute to this conversation? Yeah. That's how I look at it. Right? And if I'm not feeling a conversation, then I won't, I won't have the conversation. I don't need to force a conversation yeah. with somebody. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but music is just a language. That's all. Somebody's saying something to me. I'm saying something to them back. And we're constantly just going. Sounds good. So just a couple more questions before we shift over into the Q&A. Because uh, we do have like three questions here lined up. Oh. Um, so I just wanted to ask what you think is mm-hmm. your most fulfilling achievement to date? Like what was like, yeah, I made it. Like this is it. Like I don't see how I could ever get any better <laughs> than this right now. Yeah. Um, sorry, can you repeat the question? I was just asking what was your most uh, fulfilling achievement to, to date in terms of all the things that you've accomplished, which one was really oh. satisfying win for you? Um, I think one of the most powerful ones for me was being able to close um, for President Barack Obama in January. That one was nice. like the most emotional day yeah. in my life. Because um, it wasn't really like the performance was great. Every it was like it was sold out, whatever six thousand people, and it was just amazing. Everything was great, but I think the most the why I was so proud of it was because there was there was a moment right before thirty minutes before my show that yeah. I was in line waiting to meet President Barack Obama, and literally like there were only seventy other people. And most of them were just in like really nice suits and like dresses and everybody looked very uh, important. And I was just there in like sneakers and like my, my, you no, know, my outfit for my performance. And like, cause I was going on in 30 minutes, literally to perform. Yeah. And um, I was just waiting. And in that line, I just got so emotional. I was like, I honestly do not feel like I belong here. And like, it was the most emotional experience because I was like, I don't understand. I just felt like I was like, how did somebody who come from the neighborhood that I come from or community that I come from, like how? You know what I'm saying? Why do I feel so alone right now? Like, like that's it it was so overwhelming for me. Um, But after that moment, what I started to realize was like, dude, you brought 20 people from your team to this event, dude. You're performing for literally like somebody who's going to go down in history. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, you are like being able to, you are like this moment that you're here right now is inspiring every single kid who came from your community, who looks up to you. You know what I'm saying? You are showing them that it's possible. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, I think I, that's my proudest moment for the fact that nobody else saw it, for the fact that only I know how it felt to be in that line and just be so emotional and just feel like I really didn't know why I was there and da, 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 because I came out of that so much stronger. You know what I'm saying? After doing that, after meeting him, I was just like, you know what? Like, I deserve to be here. I deserve to do what I'm doing. I deserve, you know what I'm saying, to keep performing, to keep going. You know what I'm saying? And nothing can stop me because I know, I know, I, I, at the end of the day, the biggest person who's going to stop you is yourself, right? Yeah. The person who's going who's gonna to make you stop making music at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like, it's you. If you think that you're not good enough, you're not going to be good enough. If you think that you can't make it or achieve something in life, you're not going to achieve it. Yeah. It's you who decides your fate. That's how I, that's how I truly look at it. You know what I'm saying? That's how I look at it. 
that's a good note to end it on right there we just gonna let that you know settle <laughs> uh so a couple questions that we have uh, we have four here so far i want to start with trisha she's been waiting a little while uh how do you manage the business side of being an indie artist how do you maintain revenue uh fund your projects etc mm, uh i love business i love business with my life um when it comes to maintaining the business end um for me it's it's i think we really have to go into like what aspects of it if it's handling money for me again it's figuring out where your strengths and weaknesses are for me i know that like me and money got a special relationship with each other <laughs> but <laughs> i think that me and me and uh, i think that adrian who's on my team has a more special relationship with money <laughs> and he can handle money better than i can yeah. so um he handles the money um mm -hmm. And that's just how it goes. You know what I'm saying? We have our bank account set up and, and all that stuff. Um, but my strengths, so that's my, if that's my weaknesses or one of my weaknesses, I know my strengths. My strengths is making sure that I fight for fair wages for all my musicians. You know what I'm saying? So if somebody comes to me and says, we want to book you for a show um, and we want the 14 piece band and we're only going to give you like a thousand dollars, I am, I will literally put my foot down and be like, look, that's not going to pay a fair wage for all my musicians. So if you want me, you know what I'm saying? This is the price you're going to have to pay. If not, sucks. I'll forward you somebody who might be able to do it for yeah. your price. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. can't guarantee you a great show. They'll be they'll, they'll give you the best show they can, but it's never going to be a my show. And that's how that, I'm, I'm okay with being the bad guy when it comes to business. I think um, for me, when it comes to business, when it comes to artistry, I put on two different hats. Um, both are me, but when it comes to business, I'm not, a, I, I understand that at the end of the day in business, everybody is just looking to create an, oppor an opportunity for themselves to succeed. So when it comes to my team, understanding what the what other people who are trying to book me or da, 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 like I understand that I not only like I'm fighting for me, I'm fighting for 14, 15, 16, 17 people around me. Yeah. So I'm okay with literally being like, nah, well, you can't pay me that. Nah, you got to give me more. <laughs> I'm okay with being a bad guy. That's how I do it. But yeah. um, I love business. I love business. I love meeting with people. I love communicating with people. I'm not somebody who who is hard to get along with or whatnot. I'm very easy. Mm -hmm. But um, everything comes down to, you know, when it comes to business is being able to be on top of things, be yeah. straight. You know what I'm saying? Be be communicative. If I don't like something, I'll tell somebody I don't like this. You know what I'm saying? If I don't want to do something, I'll tell somebody I don't want to do this. I'll work with you. We yeah. can figure it out, but I got to let you know, this is my boundaries right now. Mm -hmm. I think and that's like, just, just off your points. Um, one of the most important things that I learned last year, uh, one of our teachers actually um, told us that we should get paid for, uh, let someone pay you for your value, not necessarily your time. Um, because you could give mm -hmm. so much value to someone in, like 30 minutes, but if they're paying you for the 30 minutes and mm -hmm. not the value that you're giving, it's a whole different figure. Um, so even mm -hmm. like as artists, like as a note to artists as well, um, you want to consider not just the actual performance you're giving, but everything else. Because when I play, like mm -hmm. I usually play with like uh, four other guys, right? And then myself, mm -hmm. um, you want to think about paying those people. You want to think about mm -hmm. gas. You want to mm -hmm. think about how long am I going to be here? Am I getting food? Mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. just just everything and I think a lot of times like even for me when I just started getting paid gigs it's like 
you take mm-hmm. exposure is important but then there has to be a point where you're like okay mm-hmm. you've gotten enough exposure and practice like i'm actually giving a good performance and i need to get paid. yeah um but yeah. also you forget all those little things like oh my gosh, like it's going to take a whole tank for me to get to where I need to get to. And back home, um, I have to pay yeah, other people's as, uh, yeah. people as well. I need to make sure they yeah. have food and I have food. Um, That's I what I always say. Gear. Yeah. Like a lot of times we forget yeah. all that stuff. And then I know like one thing that happened yeah. and I had to learn from that was like, I took the amount that was being offered to me because I'm like, oh yeah, like it's a performance. I'm good with that. And then I rented, had to rent gear. I had to pay everybody else. Mm-hmm yes when it was mm-hmm. done like i was actually in a deficit mm-hmm. like it cost me more to do yeah. the performance than i got exactly it. so i think too, exactly. like, those, those things are important exactly and it's being also being able to tell yeah mm-hmm. it's being like able to communicate that as you said too. it's also being able to tell like when yeah like being able to tell what because for me like i don't remember the last time i played a free gig but like i will still tell people like sometimes you got to do things for free you know what i'm saying especially if you're just starting out if you're not starting out you've been gigging for a while it's okay you know what i'm saying then sure then we think about okay how much money are you spending do you want a meal how much is a meal 20 bucks okay cool then at least the least you should be making is 20 bucks okay cool are you driving there how much you paying for gas it's 30 bucks to fill your tank okay so it's 30 40, 50. So that's at least you should be making this 50 bucks. Okay, cool. Um, do you have to rent anything? Okay, let's say you have to rent something for 20 bucks, a microphone or whatever. So 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. So 70 dollars should be the minimum that you're making. Yeah. But at that point, that's how I always looked at it before. But now I'm just like, I weigh things going back to what you're saying. Like, yes, you can look at your value, what you have to offer, but what value do they have to offer? So I'm always mm-hmm. thinking about, okay. If I perform, like for example, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a good story. I think you're back. Yeah, you're back now. Oh, can you hear me? Gone again. I can hear you, but your your picture's frozen. Your visual. I think we lost you now. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear uh, you now. Uh, uh, uh. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Am I froze? You can hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can so hear you. that Barack Obama gig. I'll run you through it. So, yeah. You can hear me, yeah? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, perfect. So, how we got that Barack Obama. Uh oh. I think we're frozen again. Oh, here, oh. I'm back here. Yep, now you're back. I'm back. Yes. So literally how we got that Barack Obama gig, I remember um, there was talks about um, the possibility of, of, so this was a gig for Economic Club of Canada or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were having talks about the possibility of, of Barack Obama coming in in January or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this was happening in last year around October. And I was, huh. That's interesting. You know what I'm saying? So I, I told for this gig, we're we're getting paid like average. It's okay. We're probably making around like just enough to pay everybody uh like a good musician wage. Um, but I told everybody in my crew, I said, look, we want to perform like like overdo this one. You know what I'm saying? Because apparently there's talks that that this is gonna happen in January. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So understanding also the value of who you're working with, who's booking yeah. you, right? Yeah. 
who who has who could bring value to you mm-hmm. right and we performed so well at that gig that we got the barack obama gig and we closed the show nice. you know what i'm saying yeah. because it, we understood like i helped my team understand the value of how important this show was you know what yeah. I'm saying? So a lot of people like really think of like, oh, this is a small show. It's in a small venue. Like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But what if literally like an A&R over at Universal or at Sony, you know what I'm saying? What if, what if Ferrari's literally, Joe Ferrari's literally right in the audience. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then what? Why are you going to throw that show away? You got to know who's in the crowd. You got to understand yeah. what type of environment you're heading into. So mm-hmm. I always look at it like this. I say, cool, let me weigh it out. Right. If somebody's booking for me for a show and the profit is not there, the money's not there. What else are you offering me? Yeah. Are you taking videos? Oh, you're not taking videos? Okay, cool. Are you taking photos? Yeah. No photos? Okay, cool. Well, let me look on your Instagram now. Let me look at who's commenting on your on your photos or who's commenting on your organization's videos or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Are they people who I know? Are they people who are doing things in the industry? If they are and they possibly have a chance of being at that show, maybe I'll play it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Maybe I'll play the show, right? Even though the money's not there, the photo's not there, the video is not there, maybe somebody who I really respect, yeah, you know what I'm saying, is gonna be there, right? If it, cause some, like that's how I always weigh things. I'm always looking at it like, what is the potential gain for me? Yeah. What is the potential gain for the people around me? Sometimes I'll take a show just to try on new musicians. Okay, cool. I know this isn't really one of those shows that like, it's a high profile show or is anybody who's like, huge or whatever on the bill or like in the crowd or whatever, but I want to try on some new singers. I want to try on some new artists. I want to uh, give some experience to Ava so she can try booking new musicians and, and arrange people together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So maybe we'll take on that show. I really look at it as like, what like what can I gain from this? And that, to me, money money is just money. You know what I'm saying? For me, I look at money as like, okay, if you want a big show, then money is going to have to get involved. But then I always look, first and foremost, what I always look at is, Who's hiring me? Who's mm-hmm. reaching out to me to book me? You know what I'm saying? Who are they associated with? What value do they bring? You know what I'm saying? What is the potential reward of me ha- having a relationship with this person? Because sometimes they might have a relationship with somebody and I might not be ready for that. Hour, but, you know what I'm saying? I want to build yeah. a relationship with them. Yeah. So I'll play this gig for you and then we'll be friends and then we'll keep communicating. Yeah. I'll keep bothering you throughout the year. So that hopefully when when you bring this artist, your artist friend over here, you know what I'm saying? That's literally like selling out all the shows, I can open up for him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's constantly thinking, like strategically, thinking about uh, where can this go? What's the opportunity here? Mm-hmm. Nice. Gems. Everyone, I hope you're writing all this stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> so there's another question from Trisha. Oh my God. Um how did you find producers when you were just starting out? Uh, they did not sound like anything I wanted to work with. Didn't understand anything I was doing. Like, I didn't like it. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. I worked with a lot of people I didn't like working with. Yeah. But how I, how I look at it now is because of the fact that, well, I didn't really know my sound. I didn't really solidify what I like doing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And until I solidified what kind of music I like making, then I started attracting people who made the same kind of music. Yeah. Right? So at the beginning, working with producers was always like, I don't really like this. I don't really know how I feel about this. I really feel like I'm not making music that's authentic to me. You know what I'm saying? And truth is, I wasn't because of the fact that I didn't know what was authentic to me. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet people who are on the same wavelength if I'm not even on the wavelength I want to be on. Yeah. Right? So that's why I say, first and foremost, if you want to meet producers, go go on YouTube, find the type beats or whatever instrumentals you like mm-hmm. first. Record some demos first, right? And then go and, and literally like send them out to producers that you like, yeah. right? Producers that you see in the city. Okay? Now, let's say there's a producer over here that reached out to me. Let me see what type of artist that he work with. Mm-hmm. If he's working with trap artists, what then nine times if if one if the the last artist that he worked with was a trap artist, the last one before that and the one before that was all trap. Why am I having this expectation that he's suddenly gonna make neo soul? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, That's a good point. <laughs> why am I gonna waste my Why am I gonna waste my time? Yeah. Why am I gonna do that? It's okay. You know what I'm saying? I'll say, look, honestly. It's all good. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell somebody no, or I'll meet with them or I'll forward mm-hmm. them. And this is another thing that I love to tell people is like, just because you are not the person for this opportunity. So I tell you, there's so much currency. There's so much value in, in bringing, do that all the time. Like that's my trick for, for a lot of stuff is mm-hmm. literally always being the person who says, look, I'm not the person to do this for you. Like if somebody literally asked me to come and speak to people in prisons, I'm like, look, I'm not somebody who's been incarcerated. You know what I'm saying? So I don't feel I have that much value to offer, mm-hmm. but I can find somebody who who has been in that those situations who could offer more to you. Yeah. There's so much value in being that middleman person, especially if you do it right. Yeah. If the person, then the person is so much more. Now they're looking at you like, wow, you really know what's up. Yeah, you really know who's who, and that's that's what that's how I get so many gigs is because I'm the person who says, "Look, if you need something, just let me know. I look yeah. for it. If I don't, if I can't find it, I find you somebody who can find it, and you're still gonna know I'm the person who can find a person who can find a person who can find a person." Yeah, and say that's how I look at things. It's a hustle. Nice. Uh, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? If you've ever experienced, I think we talked about this. Um, uh, this is from Prince. How do you deal with imposter syndrome if you've ever experienced it? I think we we mentioned it, uh, Prince. So I'm not sure if you were in, but just talking about knowing yourself and um, mm-hmm. kind of solidifying what you want for yourself, what makes you happy as an artist, um, and the kind of value you think that you can give to people who feel a, sim- a similar way, especially about the stuff that you're doing. Just kind of staying true to yourself, I think, is the message that we mm-hmm. kind of kept repeating over and over. So mm-hmm. I feel like that. Let us know if we answered your question or if you still need clarification. Um, quite a few questions here. We'll try to get through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. When it comes to making money as an artist, would you say performing live or merchandise is best is the best way to support yourself? I think that's live. subjective to... Oh, you say like I, 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 uh, um, that, that, that's a it, good point. It might be, I guess it here. might be from my, from my experience, from my experience is always live. Okay. Uh, live is a bag, man. Live is a bag. I mean, if, if you can, if you can, you're going to, mm-hmm. well, if you can, you can make a lot of money from merch too. Both of those are, yeah. they go hand in hand. If you're going to do live shows mm-hmm. and you have merch and you're a great live performer, uh, you can hustle. Like you can make some money from live, man. But yeah. I think all I would put them all under the same umbrella. Live and merch should go hand in hand. Um, I was gonna say I think too. Um, I was gonna say it's sub- it's subjective to the person how they use it. Um, I guess coming off your point in terms of of using them together, because um, there are a lot of people that will mm-hmm. 
sell a lot of merch. Um, I may not make as much live, but they have people who like buy their merch all the time, even, even if they're not attending shows. Um, so I think it's it's how you maximize both of them for me, um, at least knowing your audience and knowing how they like yeah. the primary way that they support you, I think is also a good thing to know because you may do really well live, but no one's interested in buying merch. So or you may not be the best live performer, but your recorded stuff is really good and people support your merch from that. Um, so I guess I guess it's knowing how to maximize both. I think Quincy's frozen here. Oh. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, me? Okay, I can I can hear you now. Can you hear me? It went for a second. Yeah, but I think you're back now. Hello? Yeah, you're back now. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh. oh, I think we lost him. Okay, we'll just give him a second to get back in here. Just recording here. Okay. Hello? Uh-oh. Hello. Mic check. One, two. Hello. 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 Uh oh. But um, for me, I always say like, if if people are gonna pay money to go to your show, mm -hmm. nine times out of ten, they're probably gonna pay money to buy merch. That makes sense. So you wanna get yeah. you wanna get that's, that? SB2 that's, that's a good oh. point. All right. Um, blowing through these questions real quick because I don't trust this internet here. Um, <laughs> I'm a new artist from the Caribbean, moving to the Niagara region soon. What could I do to establish myself in a new country with little to no connection? So I could really answer this because I'm from the Caribbean too, and I live in the Niagara region as well, Mikel. <laughs> um, for me, I started out just literally Google searching opportunities. Um, I moved to Toronto. I know there's a myth that you have to move to Toronto, but I don't really think you have to. Um, but I just happened to move here for school. Um, and for me, I literally just Googled all these different opportunities. I came upon, um, I did a lot of stuff in that time, I was from like 19. Um, I came upon Honey Jam, which I've mentioned a couple of times, which was a really good opportunity for me because it wasn't just a one-time performance and then done and that's it. Um, there's like a whole program of like two, two and a half months leading up to that time. So I got to meet new people, um, industry insiders, as well as like other artists. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't just for people from Toronto. So just a note on that too, there were people from all over like Nova Scotia, like everywhere. Um, so I don't think it matters where you are. It's just, um, just finding different ways to reach people. Now that I'm out in Hamilton, um, the live game out there, especially for the genres that we cater to at Afrowave, <laughs> not exactly the best lens there. They're trying to fix it, I hear. Um, but I, especially with the pandemic too, I, for me, my advice um, from my experience would be to focus on your online game. Like what's your social media like? That's the easiest way for me to at least for an artist as my like being out there now to reach people not being able to 
perform live or to be in Toronto. Um, so example, I, for, for me, I started doing a lot of covers, which I wasn't consistent with before. And so different people from all over, because it's on YouTube, it's on Instagram, started to see the covers. So it didn't matter where I was from, um, people kind of related to it and they were able to engage with it. Um, being from the Caribbean as well, I use that to my advantage. So the biggest part of my Instagram following are still people from Jamaica. So all my messaging caters to both. So if it's um, if it's a can if it's a message that I want to put out, I make sure that both people can relate to or both sets of persons can relate to it in some way. So I'm not just doing all the pop songs and the mainstream songs. I try to do a mashup where I put like a reggae song from Jamaica in there. So then people they're like listening, you know, they're kind of vibing with the R&B, and then you start the reggae and they they like like it instantly so I think it's like catering it's using that to your advantage as well but I I don't think where you're located or where you're from and this third part of your question is you start to get connections through that so people engage with your content and they start to like you and then they refer you to someone else and you end up getting that network um it's a slower process because you can't perform live or like move around as easily now um but that's what that's what helped me so I'm not sure if if that answers your question completely, any notes for you, Quincy? Um, I always say, well, no, I think that's that's very valuable, especially in the time we live in now with the pandemic. You want to utilize, you know, all your mm -hmm. social media and um, be making sure that, you know, all your stuff is on point and you're getting your stuff out there. Yeah. Um, I always say if you can to get, get, you know, get to know your community, get to know the music yeah. community. And if you're going to Niagara, then get to know what is there at least. You know what I'm saying? Because eventually you're going to meet somebody who comes from, you know what I'm saying, your world. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, I always find that's just how it happens randomly in the most random yeah. places. So being as involved as you can be and making sure you're getting out there, going mm -hmm. to these uh, events, like events like these. Like what you should be doing is like you should be following Karis. You know what I'm saying? You should be following me. You should be following people who comment on here. You know what I'm saying? If you can, right? You should be following Afrowave, right? Who's commenting on their stuff, connecting with them, right? Everything is about connecting with people, right? And and behind Instagram accounts are real people, hopefully, right? So, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> so uh, just getting in tune with the community and understanding and meeting people. Like being here is a good opportunity because now you you understand, you know, Karis and you have something to, to talk about now. Mm -hmm. right coming from the caribbean and then going to niagara or whatnot you know what i'm saying and understanding what it means to build your name in in a place that's really not toronto right someone said so, the auditing <laughs> exactly so yeah. yeah just just utilizing that and guys feel free someone already went ahead and did that too feel free to drop your handles in as well because you never know who you'll connect with like i've seen trisha on like basically all of these <laughs> so <laughs> i know her now <laughs> um so even through these workshops like even though they're virtual you can still meet people who are like you're all here for the same reason you know mm -hmm. so that's a good point um we have two more questions what advice could you give for someone trying to shift from their day job to music i'm going to be performing at open mics and possibly colleges at some point so i'm trying to figure out how it balances two until my music is oh fully mm -hmm. take off my my thing is if you're going to open mics, you're gonna you're going to college. College, um, go to the open mic early. Mm -hmm. Meet the sound guys. Yep. Right. If, and go thank to the them after. Early, ask if you can help. Go to the open mic early. Go to any event early. 
Mm-hmm. Ask, ask questions, talk. What's your name? You know what I'm saying? Well, can I help you with anything? Yeah. Right? That's what you're gonna do. If you want to create a job for yourself, this whole thing, and I'm I'm just saying because this I, I can only speak from my experiences, but I don't like every opportunity I have is from just meeting people. Mm-hmm. I feel like you make more <laughs> I feel like you make more money when you're referred to other people. You know what I'm saying? Because you just never you never know who you're going to meet. So if you're going to go and network or you're going to don't, I don't want to use the word network, but if you're going to go to an event and open mic, go early and go help. Yeah. Right. The more you can help people, the more people will see value in you. Yeah. Always ask how you can help. Right. And mm-hmm. anything. And don't be closed minded about anything. You want to make um, art your fo- or music, your full time career. You can't be closed off to certain opportunities that come. Right. So I've taken certain gigs that literally I didn't know would lead me to other gigs. Yeah. Right. Sure, right now it's just volunteering. Maybe mm-hmm. after that, it's something paid because they know you can get the work done, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe for now, it's literally like um, helping facilitate a workshop. Maybe mm-hmm. next time it's leading a workshop. You know what I'm saying? And once you, you're ready for that job and you lead the workshop, great. Now they want to do another one. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Now another organiz- organization is like, oh, do you know any performers? Yeah, this girl who teaches a workshop over here, she's a great performer. I've seen her teach the workshop. Mm-hmm. She always performs. Boom, opportunity, right? So not being closed-minded about where opportunities could come from because honestly, being an artist full-time is a grind. Yeah. It's a grind. You have to, you have to literally have a mentality of look, I'm one to I want to work. Mm-hmm. You have to work hard, right? People say, Oh, I don't want to work hard, I want to work smart. You have to work smart and you have to work hard. <laughs> Yeah. You have to work both. You have to work both of them. There's no way around it. You know what I'm saying? Because all of this is not just about being an artist. It's about being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. It's about being an entrepreneur. And what is about what is being an entrepreneur mean? Mm-hmm. That means you have to work around the clock. It's not just nine to five. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because the only person running your business, making sure your business keeps on going, is you. Yeah. If you stop, your business is done. And that's the, that's the point that I was gonna add to as um, like you. You have to shift your mindset so it's not like, oh, day job and then music is my my side hustle. Like, you have to look at it as two full-time jobs. So what shifted everything for me in terms of being able to, like, get more out of my music was when I started to give it more. So, you like, making a schedule goes a long way. Like, okay, I'm working nine to five here, mm-hmm. but you also got to include the time you've got to get to work and to get home. And then what time do you need to, like, get into a mindset where you can spend a good two, three, four more, if you can, hours on music. Like you. And what are you listening to while you're exactly. driving to work? Exactly. You know what I'm saying, like for me, I literally listen to music conferences and podcasts mm-hmm. on my way to work, on my way mm-hmm. to this, just listening. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh my god, I just want to listen to music, but I have yeah. to because that's what it takes. I need to be constantly surrounded yeah. by conversations about music so that I can learn how it is to walk into a situation with other people who are doing this full time. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, it's a little bit, I think, I don't know. It depends on how, like it's, this is unpopular to say right now, but it really depends on how much time you're willing to put in and how bad you want it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if this is what you live, breathe, eat, sleep, yeah. you're going to make something happen for yourself. If you really say, I want to make this a full-time career and there's no other option. Mm-hmm. that's what you're gonna do you gotta treat it like right? that. Come on, like look where we come like I, I don't i don't know you're from your parents are from uh the caribbean jamaica? yeah i was born and raised in jamaica, jamaica. look at where we look at where we come from mm-hmm. how hard our people work you know what i'm saying 
How are the people who literally fought for us to get here? Yeah. yeah. Right? How we can we there's no there's no for us, we need to work just as hard to like, the people after us, exactly. The people after us can live good. Yeah. Not only live good, but have the right mentality to live good, right? They work mm-hmm. hard too. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how it has to go. That's just a, it's just a lifestyle change, man. We gotta remember who we are. True. All right, last question. And then we may be a few minutes over 7:30 um to wrap up. But our last question from Trisha was Oh, there are no stupid questions, Trisha. <laughs> How do you record a demo? Um, say you find an instrumental on YouTube, you like, what's the next step? Um, if you have, well, it depends, like, what is your goal with the demo, mm-hmm. right? Is it to find a producer, mm-hmm. right? Is it to pitch to a label? Is it to, like, what is the goal? Is it to apply for funding? Like, you really have to figure out Mm-hmm. What it what what is my goal with, with creating a demo, right? Because there are some people who make demos to get signed yeah. to labels. That means they're paying studio time. They're paying for all that stuff. Yeah. Just to make a very 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 like the their demo to the greatest possible like outcome they can. Right. Mm-hmm. So polished to a point where labels cannot get your idea wrong. That's yeah. a demo. But then I've yeah. seen demos where you know what I'm saying somebody's trying to pitch themselves to an artist manager, mm-hmm. right? And that one doesn't have to be like, I know artist managers, sometimes they'll say, look, you don't have to send me the most perfect thing. If it's a great song, I can hear the idea from its birth. Yeah. So it's somebody just literally taking iPhone notes on top of the song. You know what I'm saying? Send to an artist manager that you really like or whatever. You have to figure out what your goal is with the demo. Right. And where you're at, what you can afford, where like, you know what I'm saying? Not everybody can go to a studio. So Mm -hmm. maybe right now you need to figure out, okay, how can I, maybe I can make a demo with a YouTube beat or whatever and send it to a producer who knows how to record. Yeah. So maybe he can help me figure out a demo. Yeah. Right. So maybe now it's using this whole thing of you recording with your phone over a YouTube beat and sending it to, you know, local producers, right. Mm-hmm. Go follow Afrowave and look how many producers are on, under there or whatever, or go follow oh, Lex- yeah. Lexicon or go follow uh, Karis. And, and <laughs> what I would do, I'm crazy, but I <laughs> whenever I want to find musicians, I yeah. will literally look at, at other musicians and I will go yeah. through their following or their followers. Same. And I will look for who I want. Same. I don't care. I'm the type of person that will, yeah. I will reach out to them and I'll follow them because I do not care. Yeah. Okay? But you got to just, you got to think about it. You got to think about what you want to achieve with yeah. the people, right? Yeah. Um, that's my two cents. Uh, just adding on for me, um, like Quincy said, it's your, like your goals, what you want to accomplish with that so I know like even for me sending off my stuff to a live musician to get stuff added to it I still want him to know what the original idea is and kind of where I want to go so mm-hmm. or even collaborating with people um or even going into studio like forget that collaborating with anyone for me going into studio I cut down my time from like two three hours of recording stuff to an hour when I came in with the demo and even if it's just a voice recording or if you have a there's like audacity and all this like mm-hmm. garage band if you have a mac uh, macbook um all this free stuff where you can literally just lay down everything you hear in the song so when you go to studio with that it's like okay i'm just re-recording this re-recording this re-record is there anything else i can add to this nope okay good the song's done rather than you sitting down there trying to figure it out on spot and you're paying for this time in most cases too so it just depends on like what Quincy said your goal for the demo as well um I'd advise everyone like look for one of the free 
uh, as you said, DAW, digital audio workspaces um, that they have online, um, that really helps in terms of hearing your ideas back and it can cut down the time for a lot of things that you do. So yeah, well, that is it. We are at 7.32. And I thank everybody for joining on today and for being so engaged. Quincy, thank you so much thank for you your everybody. time and your gems um, and the attendees. Thank you as well. As I always say that there's no event without you. It's kind of boring if we're just sitting here, just talking. I mean, I'm sure it'd be a good conversation, but it's nicer when you have people <laughs> engaged with you as well. Um, so thank you to everyone. We have our next workshop on uh, next week, Wednesday. So that will be on music marketing. I'm just kind of talking about, okay, I've established a brand, I have my goals lined up, like how do I get my music out there in market, especially now, um, you know, being forced to do everything virtually. So if you guys are interested, please sign up for that. It's already on our Eventbrite page, but the link would also be um, in AfroWave's uh, bio soon. If you have any questions about this workshop or any of the other workshops, feel free to send me an email at operations at afrowave.com. Thank you so much, everyone, and have a good night.